if, if there's anything you probably have been hearing me talk about a lot um, is that I've been, I've been trying by the help of God, and not just me, the pastorate, you know, that's the mandate God gave to us, to not make us play church the way mm. people usually play church. You know, and the way people usually play church is to just come, one guy comes here, hype you up, sing, dance, you know, encourage you, word of encouragement, preach, sermon, and then it ends there, and then we rinse and repeat every Sunday. You know, the church is meant to be a school. It's meant to be a what? It's meant to be a school. And that's why taking note is very important. Taking note is very important. That's the way I grew up. I grew up with the, the, the discipline of going to church with a notepad. I mean, those days there were no phones that could take uh, take notes or you don't have all the digital um, you know, materials and all that that you have now. You know, then it was just your notepad and your hard Bible. You know, and for me, for a long time, if I see someone during a message that is not taking note, it doesn't look, the person doesn't look serious to me. That's the, you know, it's like some being in class and some people, I know there are some special people, you know, they are in class. They've read everything that we used to have one of our slabbers guy in my secondary school. He has read everything. He's read all the, you know, all the topics in the syllabus. So when the teacher comes to the class, he's always trying to test the teachers. You know, so one day, I remember one chemistry, when necessary, one chemistry teacher just newly posted and they were teaching us, uh, what's the name of, I've forgotten, organic chemistry and all that. And the guy was quoting something. And the guy, and the teacher looked at him and said, why are you troubling yourself? That thing you're saying is not in your syllabus. It is year one, and university year one syllabus. Do you want to pass WAEC or you want to shine? <laughs> and the guy was really, really humbled, you know. Um, so church is the place where we learn. And what we learn is crucial to how we grow up spiritually. It's absolutely important. So the basics has to be there. When you look at it, when, when, you, when you enter a class, you could classify the class into three, you know, you could divide the class into three um, classes. You will see the one, very serious people. They take it very serious. They don't do anything else. Very serious. They are with their notes and everything. Um, those are usually sometimes, most of the time, you find them in the front. They are early to class. They have a good seat and all that. The middle one, you see, yeah, serious, but sometimes there's a mixture of serious and not so serious. And that. Then at the very back, you find what you call the NFAs. <laughs> you know what you call NFAs? No official and visual. They are just in class. Some of them already have businesses. Some of them, they just want to get E, you know, and let my people, they are not, they are not interested. And then sometimes in that company, you actually find the very smart ones who have read everything and they are in class just to disturb somebody and to make that other person fail because the other person is foolish. You know, so you see people who are dancing, you know, talking, not listening and all that, and then you are in the midst of them. You don't realize that some of those people that you are gisting with have actually they slept in the library and they did some very serious work. And then, so during the exam, you expect them to be looking up, but you can see that they are the ones writing and collecting extra sheets. And you're wondering, ah, didn't we? 
Amen. <laughs> what am I saying? I'm saying that growth is personal. Spiritual growth is what? It's personal. It's absolutely personal. And we must develop that culture, especially here in this assembly. We must develop the culture of putting, you know, the most serious attitude towards receiving the word of the Lord. Most serious attitude. Most serious attitude. And you are taking notes, not just for taking notes sake, but so that you can go back to it and do what? And immerse yourself. Like I always say, what you think, and I think Pastor also, also says the Lord, what you think you have heard, you have actually not really heard it. When you go back to it again, you now realize that, wow, this thing was said. I missed this one the first time. Or what you even thought you heard, God now takes it deeper. And God must help us to be studious. There is no serious Christian life without having a serious study life. Hallelujah. Is that clear? So we do have the first questions now. Sister V, please. Ephesians chapter, um, chapter 5. Yeah. She, cited from, she cited 23 to 25 that there's a first commandment in marriage. I said, I have not heard that one in my church. The first commandment in marriage. Yes. And the, yes, the first commandment is that wives must submit to the husband. Okay. And he cited that Christ, that the was, um, church where he read that. Therefore, that just as the church is subject to Christ, yeah. so let the wife be to their own husband in everything. So that the husband said, I cannot show her love if she's not submissive in everything. Anything he asks her to do, he must do it. So I wanted clarity because I was trying to answer it with um, verse 21 that says, Submit to one another in the fear of God. So I don't know. I was telling her that it is verse, verse. If I'm wrong, I, I want to know. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's a very good question. <laughs> Amen. Um, so let's read it in context. Let's start from verse. Um, let's start from verse seventeen. That's a very good place to start. So therefore, do not be what unwise, but do what understand what the will of God is. So being unwise is to not discern what the will of God is. Wisdom is to know what the will of God is for your life or in any situation and you are committed to it. That's wisdom. And the foundation of every successful and successful in the context of pleasing God. Amen. Successful in the context of what? Pleasing God. Peace is not, is not primarily the evidence of a successful marriage. Some people have peace in their marriage by subjugation. You know, some of you, you cannot talk back to, some women cannot talk back to their husband because if they talk back, they are going to receive a serious slap. There's going to be a panel beating, you know, and because of that, there is a sense of peace, but it's not the God kind of peace. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? So here, it's saying that wisdom is critical to do what? To understand what the will of God is. Verse 18, what does it say? It says, and do not be what? Drunk with wine, which is in what? Dissipation. But what? Filled with the Spirit. Verse 19, speaking to one another in what? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. 
Hallelujah. Then what does verse uh, 20 say? Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21. Submitting one to another in the word. Now, if you jump all those previous verses and land in verse 21, you are going to find yourself wanting to climb a mountain. It feels like you're trying to do what? Climb a mountain. But if we go back to verse 17, and then you start from learning and discerning what the will of God is, which is done in prayer and its commitment to the word. That process already puts you on a process to acquire wisdom. By wisdom, certain perceptions and understanding and inclinations and perspectives are wiped off. And a new system of reasoning, of response, of action, and of thought is installed. Am I making sense? Is that clear? And then when you move to do not be drunk with wine, it's not just talking about people drink physical wine. He's making an analogy. He wasn't speaking to drunkards. Am I making sense? He was speaking to, he's speaking to us, but making use of what? An analogy. That the same way a drunkard stays with, for you to get drunk, what do you do? You stay with wine. You don't take a small cup of wine. Except maybe it's your first time. <laughs> you have a very low alcohol tolerance, like my wife. <laughs> you know, if you want to get drunk, you, you can see people taking three bottles. They are still okay. And then they go and go and go and it until they get drunk. He's saying that you should cultivate that attitude of going all the way in the spirit. Go all the way in the spirit until you get the overflow. That's the message there. Do not be drunk with wine. Where is in what? Essex or dissipation. But be what? Be filled with the spirit. So, just replace wine there with the spirit. It means plunge yourself into the spirit. Spiritual activity. Until you are what? You are full. The same way you eat. And you don't get full by the first spoon. In fact, sometimes when they bring a portion for you, you are angry because they are underestimating your power. <laughs> you say, go back and add to it. Am I making sense? I, I'm someone that naturally, I don't know, I have a small stomach, but when I see the portion of some people, <laughs> amen, when I see the portion of the people, I remember we had a lady recently, uh, some time ago who was one of our help, and my wife, my wife doesn't, she, she's very liberal, she doesn't police what people eat and all those things, you know, we don't do that. So my wife just, first day, just say, you know what, put your bag here, uh, welcome to this house, go to the kitchen and, and uh, help yourself. Uh, yes, so she should make a bar and then eat. When I enter the kitchen, Jesus is low. I'm not exaggerating. The thing looked like five people a bar. I was like, I have to work hard out if this aunt is going to be in our house. <laughs> I was, so, you know, it's first day, you don't, you know, you don't set wrong precedence. Yeah, exactly. So you keep quiet, you know. <laughs> I, I mentioned to my wife, so it's we, we kept quiet. The next day, it, this time it was bread. 
by the time she combined that bread together, flattened it, I was like, we have to. I said, we don't, but we have to beg. <laughs> I told my wife, we, we have a budget for food in this house. This budget, <laughs> this cake will finish budget in, in 10 days. So let's, let's say, please be coming down. You know, be, be, be coming down. Hallelujah. But she works really hard after all. If she eats all that and then she's lazy, you know, you'll be even be more angry that this one that is eating all the house and nothing is, but she knows she works, she, she works really hard and she takes initiative and all that. So all that energy is converted into what? Hard work, power. That is the way the thing of the spirit is. So don't take it in small measure. That's what he's saying. Take it. Now, if you build a lifestyle that is constantly filled with the spirit. So, number one, we talked about wisdom, right? Gotten from the word, gotten from presence of God in prayer. Now add it to being filled with the spirit. What will the spirit do? The spirit will, we do what? We bring the God kind of life, right? Bring understanding. Am I making sense? Bring illumination. Am I making sense? Even bring the fruits. So, first one, we are wise. Second one, we are filled with the Spirit. What does it say? Speaking to your word. Speaking to one another in what? In psalms and hymns and what? And spiritual song. Singing and making what? Melody. So, that is the outflow of what you have put on the inside. That's the outflow. So it is not anger, it is not curses, it is not you know, stupid words that come out. What is coming out? Psalms, hymns and what? And spiritual songs. And then the state of your heart. Your heart is immersed in a state of melody. That's why it means singing and making melody. Where? It didn't say in your mouth. Where? In your heart to the Lord. Hallelujah. And it says giving thanks always for all things. Now for you to be able to give thanks always... It means that there has been a change in perspective. It means that you can spot and discern the move of the Lord in every situation. Am I making sense? And that even when things are contrary, you can give thanks by faith. Do you get what I'm trying to say? All that comes from a work that has started in verse 17. Am I making sense? Now, all that will now culminate into verse 21 that says what? Submit to one another. So that means that you are approaching submission as the will of God by discernment. Am I making sense? And you are not only seeing it like that, the process of worship, the process of you know, being filled with the Spirit, the process of committing yourself to prayer and the study of the Word has given you the capacity to do this will of God. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So, each party in the marriage must come from verse 17. That is the walkway. If you are walking from that, you are not waiting for who will start the submission first. Do you understand? It is not about who starts the submission. Whether it's the husband that we first of all love and the wife we now, after, 
know, me and my, me, me and my wife, we used to, we used to do basketballs very well about that thing. Say, you did even show affection to me today. She would tell you too. You too, did you come and hug me when I'm in my seat? I said, but the wife is meant to submit. And I said, the husband is meant to love. So we're always doing that basketball. You know, but that's on a lighter note. Am I making sense? Each party in the marriage must take it as the, what is the will of God for me? So whether the husband is loving you or not, you are fulfilling the will of God. By what? By submitting. Whether your wife is submitting or not, you are fulfilling the will of God. By what? By submission. So both parties submitting to one another in the world in the fear. So it is, the submission is not just random, man-pleasing submission. Am I making sense? The submission is, what is the fear of the Lord? What is the what? What is the fear of the Lord? And Bible said the fear of the Lord is to depart from what? From evil. Hallelujah. And that verse says that uh, the, 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 the beginning of the fear of the Lord is the what? Is the beginning of wisdom. So, what is wisdom in this situation, in the sight of God? That's what you're submitting to. Because it's the fear of the Lord that is instructing you. Am I making sense? And the fear of the Lord is wisdom. So, you are not a man pleaser. You are doing it as unto that you are fulfilling your role. Jesus came to Jordan to meet with John. And John said, young man, what are you trying to do? I'm the one that should come to you. I'm the one that should be baptized of you. Jesus said, no. He said, let this be done. To do what? To fulfill all right. You know, we quote that thing, we quote that thing. What that thing really meant was that if the measure of the full righteousness that Jesus meant to exhibit is 50. We, if that measure is one shot, Jesus will not be the perfect lamb that will be sacrificed for the sin of the world. Do you get what I'm trying to say? He needed, he needed to be baptized. He needed to submit to John to be baptized of John in Jordan so that the measure of that righteousness will be fulfilled. If he doesn't fulfill that full righteousness, he won't be the perfect lamb of God. There will be an accusation against him of not fulfilling the will of God. So it wasn't about John. It wasn't about John's character. Am I, have you read John's profile? Camels, uh, air all around him, honey and wild locusts. He's a very ruffian. Some of us, will not, if John entered this, some of us will run away. He's a wild man. Hallelujah. In fact, and Jesus was the exact opposite of John. You know, Jesus even said, he said, John Baptist came neither eating nor drinking. He said, this one is a madman. He said, the son of man came eating and drinking. He said, this one is a gluten and a wine biber. Describing how contrasting him and John the Baptist are. But he had to go to John and submit to him to be baptized. And without that baptism, the heaven wound have opened and the Holy Ghost wound have come down. Hallelujah. So the primary thing is that what is the will of God? You are submitting according to the will of God. Not because somebody has done the right thing or not. Hallelujah. That is the basis for submission. Now it now goes on to verse 22. What do I say? Wives, do what? Submit to your own husband. As what? As on, and this is very important. If it says submit to your own husband, full stop, it's a completely different meaning. It's a complete word. 
and you can't take this one outside of the context because he already said that you should submit to one another in the fear of god so is this that fear of god that is instructing you as a wife now to do what to submit your and he said when you are doing it you are doing it as unto so you must even recognize that it is the lord that is making you you are doing this in obedience to god do you understand if that spiritual understanding is not there then it's not a spiritual sacrifice like i said you can submit as an escape from blues <laughs> am i making sense you can submit to uh, to avoid abuse but when it is after of spiritual understanding, it brings it a completely different game. It's a completely different context. Hallelujah. And then it says, husbands, do what? Love your wife. Verse 23. For, okay, for the husband is the head of the wife, also as Christ is the what? Is the head of the church. He's the savior of the body. Verse 24. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, if I were doing a brothers only, brothers only meeting, like I did some weeks ago, I always tell men, the book starts with you. Do you know why? Somebody say why. why? Somebody say headship. Headship. Jesus, is it because this verse compared husband and wife to christ and the world and the church who left his throne above who came to the world to die answer the brothers now are very quiet now <laughs> jesus who the person jesus died for what state was she see the bible say when we were on what when we were sinners is that not what the scripture says christ did what so who did the loving first? So who should do the loving first? I've answered your question, but I've answered beyond your question. That in the context, really, every partner must come to that table of commitment from a spiritual understanding. It starts from discerning what the will of God is, receiving wisdom, having the overflow of the Spirit, and submitting the fear of the Lord. So, you are coming, you are responding to the Lord all along the way, not minding what the other person is doing. You see, but make sure you fulfill your own role. When judgment comes, God is going to judge the woman and also judge the man. Remember that that was what God did with Adam and Eve. Adam thought he could divert the judgment to Eve. God gave Eve his own judgment, but God gave Adam the what? The main judgment. And God gave the serpent the main judgment. So, all of us, we are, as husband, God's going to judge you as the head. He said, yeah, my wife did not submit. He said, but you are meant to love. I didn't I love you as the church when you were unworthy? So, fulfill your role as the head. Because headship is responsibility. Headship is not, I sit down, they give me two meat. When nobody, or every other person in the family doesn't have meat. That's not what headship means. Headship means the person who goes out and gives his life on the cross for his family. Have I answered your question? <laughs> Amen. 
Okay, so um, I think on the issue of, um, still on the issue of submission, who submits, submit, I think he answered clearly from perspective of scripture, who submits first. But I think what I want to say is, what if the husband is, uh, the husband is supposed to love first, right? Okay, what if the husband is not loving first, right? So there's this thing that happens to all of us where the accuser of the brethren walks through us without us knowing that we are just being pawns for the accuser. This is what I mean. Um, most of the time when you ask husband and wife about a matter, they will, from each person from their perspective is very right. They will tell you all the things they don't write, why they, are, why, why they are writing their thinking and all that. And if you ask the husband to, the husband to has things to say and has several things to accuse the wife about. So from that standpoint, it, it, as in, when, when two of you are like that and you, are, you have assumed the role of the accuser of the brethren before God on behalf of your spouse... It becomes very difficult to have this conversation about who should, who should submit first or who should love first because everybody is waiting for the other person to shift position. But the only way you can do your own bit is, first of all, if you shift ground from that place of the accuser. In, this, in, in other words, think about... How I, I think it's part of the wisdom that he was talking about that don't be unwise, don't be, don't be stupid... When it comes to conflict, you know, how does the Bible say it? It says, in malice be children, but in understanding be men. When it comes to malice, who is right, who is wrong, who is supposed to be angry, who is justified, just be like, you don't know what you are doing in that one. But when it comes to the wisdom of God or understanding, be mature there. In other words, be ready to yield ground in the will of God and leave the ground of the accuser. Okay, so he's not doing all these 1,001 things right, right? And you, you are the savior, you are the king, or you are the better person, or whatever that you think you are. How does that further the will of God? How does that, how does that further the will of God, either for your personal life, or for your family, or the assignment that God has given you on earth, or for the will of God for the church? How does that further it? It's all setback. It's all stagnancy. So move from that place. They've given you trophy of Mr. Right. What are you going to use to do in your life? How does that add to your destiny? So don't be stupid. That's what Bible is saying. Be malice. Be a child in malice. But in understanding sense, be mature. Is it to move forward in the will of God? I'm ready to give up being right 1,000 times. Because at the end of the day, the person that wins, I am I'm the one that wins. It's God that wins. It's the, will of, it's, the, it's the purpose of God that wins at the end of the day. So I'm not going to have one temporary fleshly kick. I can't even gather people. Everybody can help me to say, oh, oh, great. Oh, there's no woman like who you have done the best. Everybody can help me to gather it like that. After that, when then? Do you get? So you can have a little fleshly kick and have a massive spiritual loss right so a lot of times it is possible that and then in, in, there are seasons in marriage when somebody is truly really not pulling their weights that, and that's the truth and it may be a function of understanding maybe what the person is 
going through, what, what the person is listening to, what the person is in their spiritual work. That, that's why the Bible says two are better than one, because they have a reward for their labor. So me, I'm asking myself, what is my labor? Because my labor cannot be holding on to my rights. I use energy to have anger, hold anger, be right. Then, then waste energy like that on top of what? Is that the labor? Is anger the labor? Anger can't be the labor now. Fighting like this cannot be the labor. Please, I want to ask myself, what is the labor that they say we should be laboring? That to, what is the reward that I'm supposed to be pursuing? If it is not adding to labor, if this labor is not productive, if, there, if there's no reward in it, I'm, I'm off. It doesn't have meaning. So there are times when the husband is doing 10%, and if you ask him in his mind, though, he might think that maybe it's 102%. And that's where the accuser is smarter than us because he will give you reasons to hold on to your anger. He will put me, myself, and I up in your mind. You'll just be seeing only yourself. There are times when the wife is doing 10%, 30%, and the other person is doing 70%. The other person is doing season shifts like that, as in thing. But are you going to, before the reward comes, are you going to spoil everything? If, if husband is supposed to be first and he's not first and he doesn't even know that he's not first and he thinks that what he's doing is first and he's not listening and he's, you know, all these things you can say it. What are you going to do for the reward? Because seed time and harvest does not, it doesn't cease. You will sow in, I normally say this thing, marriage is sowing and reaping. No? It's sowing and reaping. I can tell you that seventh, eighth year of marriage I will tell you that that's when I entered into harvest in every area. Maybe you can also say the same. But maybe in some seasons where you are supposed to sow, you are busy looking for how they will help you to justify you against the other person. You scatter it before the reward can come. And then two, people compare a lot. You will not discern your wife, know who she is in the spirit, know how to work with her in a certain season. You will not pray and discern your husband and know the right response. You'll be going, that's what happened to Auntie CD in her husband. Then, they, then when the Auntie CD there, finally, after it happened. And in your, the devil will help you arrange it. You'll really see your husband behaving like Auntie CD's husband. And your, the devil will really tell you that if you don't do what Auntie CD did, you will end up like Auntie CD. Is Auntie CD your template for destiny? Why don't you ask the Holy Spirit that said you should marry the man? At least if he said so. Or the Holy Spirit that said you should marry the girl. Why don't you ask questions? You know, a lot of times people don't pray. People talk, talk more than you pray. Or talk to the wrong person. Give you the wrong advice. Yeah, you do the wrong thing before your reward comes. So that's just my little addition to first or last. Thank you. Amen. Marriage really is a, sometimes you can do a 10, 10 message series and you will still not exhausted your thing. Okay, I have a good question here. It said, um, Jesus led disciples to pray, saying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. However, Jesus at the beginning of his ministry was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. More so, James said, commit, count it all joy when we are faced with diverse trials and temptation. Please clarify the perspectives in the Lord's Prayer and other accounts and scripture. It's, it's very simple. Um, the word um, lead us not into temptation in, in that verse is the word esperio, which means don't let us yield to temptation. So it's basically saying, it's praying for strength. 
you know, when you are in a contrary situation, when you are in a tempting situation. It's actually, in fact, if you read it on another translation, I think if you read in the new, it's the new Living Translation or NIV, it says, and let us not yield to temptation. Amen. So what is praying for? And, if, and the next verse, is say, and deliver us from what? From evil. Because yielding to temptation is committing evil. Hallelujah. So it's very straightforward. It's not saying we will always face trials and temptations as Christians. That is a sure banker, you know. In fact, more than that, we'll face sufferings. Scripture says that through sufferings, you will do what? Enter the kingdom of God. But what is important is that we have the internal strength by the Holy Spirit to not do what? To not yield to temptation. Hallelujah. Any other question? Okay, I was going to share, I was going to share an experience I had to illustrate um, this this um this temptation issue the, the former um, organization where i worked when i got there i've been hearing about what how people play smart you know and one of those ways is that when they travel it, it's it's, a, it's, a, it's it was a work that you had to travel some departments had to travel a lot you know and then usually when they go they get per diem and get you know all those other benefits and all that and then the company policy says when you don't f- finish using all those allowances we're giving you, you're supposed to remit it back to um, the company account. You're supposed to return it, you know, not pocket it. So I've been hearing this. And people wish to make a lot of money from those things. They would just keep arranging travel for themselves, arranging travel, arranging travel, so that they can get a lot of those things. So, yeah, you know, people who... F- they can put in the, in the receipt that they used 30000 for transport. Meanwhile, they got an Okada to carry them everywhere, and they paid person 2K and all that. So my first trip, and um, went to, we flew to this state and all that. And the first thing I saw was that when we got there, the hotel we had booked another. One of them you know, went to the counter and said that we are no longer booking the hotel. Uh, so when they came to me, they said, we are no longer staying in the hotel, that we are staying out there. I said, why? He said, there's no room. I said, no now. Wait, what do you mean by there's no room? There's room there now. We, we've booked the room before we came. So, but I believed the guy only for me to go to the hotel. And I saw the hotel they wanted to put us. I said, no, no, no. Me, me and you will not stay in this place. He said, no, now that we've arranged everything. I said, okay, what exactly is this arrangement? He said, okay, so we arranged that this hotel is cheaper. So, we'll if I can even pay two two in your room, you be all guys and all that. And then I said, no. I said, so I I first of all that why are you so why are you hustling over twenty five thousand or something? So I told her, I said, no, I'm sorry that I'm not going to do this. He said, no. I said, no, I'm not going to do this. And I'm said everyone, and this is why it's good to be a leader. I said everyone in my team is also not going to do this. And I told my team guys. We are going back to the hotel we had booked and we we're going to pay. And then, so, there were three people in my team, the other guys in the other team stayed in the other hotel and went back. You know, and it was a week-long um, event and all that. We were moving from one state to another in the north and all that. So, on Friday, I just saw a huge amount of money in my account. Ah, this just landed in my account. I was like, what's going on? Well, so, I called my colleague, the guy in charge of money, I said, what's the meaning of this uh, 
money. He said, yeah, that you know, all those places we've been going, that he's been getting transportation and some of those things and the allowances we're supposed to pay, that he's been getting um, at much reduced rate. You know, so um, by the time you add all that over to, you know, over the whole week, that this is the amount that came to you. <laughs> I said, so you mean what you said to me, that everybody got that thing? Say, yes. Yeah. How did you do this budget? <laughs> so how did you do this budget that you could? He said, ah, no, no, no. She be they are not paying us too well. You know that. I said, well, unfortunately, me and you, I cannot do this. We cannot, unfortunately. So you see that you give me your account number and I send this thing back to you, and then you and management go and face yourself. And if you don't send me your account number, I will go back to Lagos and go to the accounts department and say, I want to remit <laughs> my old stuff. I said, because this thing is very implicative. And I will encourage you, since you are the one holding the account, if you are sending back the account, if you are sending me your account number and I send the money back to you, I will encourage you to do the right thing. Go back and remit this money. Say, no, 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 no. I will remit one over my dead body. I said, okay, no problem. So, when we, so he sent the account number and I sent back to him. And I went to everyone in my team. I said, all of you have collected money. He said, yes. One of them has even gone to buy shoe. I said, go and return the shoe. I said, go and, is that go and return the shoe? Or you get money from you and send it back to him. And I made sure every one of them, and one of them came to me and was like, ah, ah. Mr. Dami, what's going on? And I said, see, these are the opportunities where God is either proud of you or God is ashamed of you. I said, when you say people steal in public offices, it doesn't start with on that day. It starts with how you have reinforced yourself so that tomorrow when they bring $5 million to come and bribe you, this you know, so those, these judges now that want to sit on, some of them now, their soul is already shaking. Well, maybe with some of them, there's no amount of money they can give to them that. There were some judges that I'm sure, I don't have evidence, but the judges that sat on Ahmed Lawa's case, it's difficult that they have not collected something with that kind of judgment. You know, but it's beautiful to be in a place and there is capacity in you to withstand. And God will bring those opportunities. Am I making sense? And I'm, and I'm buttressing this with that. There are times when you be in a situation of serious temptation. But you must have capacity to do what? To, now, there are some temptations that the spiritual capacity in you will ask you to run. It is your leg that the spiritual capacity will reinforce. Before you even finish thinking it, your power has already entered your leg and you've, you've done what? You've taken off. There are some cases like that. You know, I mean, scripture says flee every appearance of what? It didn't say run. It said flee. You know what it means to flee? It's like when lion is chasing you, that's how you flee. And sometimes, the Bible said that a wise man seeth evil from what? From afar off and does what? And takes cover, takes another way. An evil man, a foolish man rather, the Bible says, there's a way the Bible says, the Bible walks gallantly towards it until the person is consumed. Hallelujah. So these are ways by which the wisdom of God works out in us to do what? 
to help us escape the evil of falling into a temptation. But temptations, we do what? They will always, always come. Absolutely important. In fact, if you are not receiving temptation, you might not be growing. Because temptations are like examinations. Without them, you don't do what? You don't move to the next level. Praise God. Is that clear? Yeah. Any other? Maybe one or two more. Okay, so uh, building up from where you stopped, um, I'm trying to flip the scenario because I've seen the situation. Um, okay, so I think in my office, we, we do something similar, but not the way your former office um, do theirs. So in my office, what they do is, for example, they give you the money, like, this is for your accommodation, this is for transport, and it's your money. If you spend more than what they committed for accommodation, you reimburse, you, you do it. Okay, so for example, um, if let's say they pay 20000 for your hotel accommodation and you feel that, ah, 20K hotel is, is not good enough, I want a 30K hotel. So you pay the excess from your pocket, nobody cares. If you feel 20K hotel, Okay, yeah, I have 20K hotel, but I can go and manage in a 10K hotel and save some cost and all that. Same for transport, same for even accommodation generally. You have accommodation allowance and probably, okay, your accommodation allowance is a millionaire. But you're like, oh, let me go and take, a, let me go and rent a house at Alagbadu where I pay 350K and all of that is what... Is that um, acceptable in the context of what you... I, I know they are a bit different because um, um, the other question I want to ask so that I can probably just address the two together is in the context of Nigeria, looking at our, our business environment, and um, it looks like PR is a business culture. Yeah. It's a bribe now. Okay, in the banking sector? In the business environment, generally. <laughs> is public relations? No. <laughs> How do I describe PR? Okay, so PR is like... Um, so, let's differentiate what Nigerians call something. No, from no, what no, that's why I said, that's okay. why I said, in our... Okay. It, it, it has become a culture. Yeah. That, and the truth mm. is, it's even, even businesses budget it. It's part of yeah. their budget. It's part of, it's part of their costing. They, yeah. Yeah. And it, it goes on and on. Yeah. You know, um, I'm looking at that and I'm like, okay, so in this kind of culture, where it is acceptable, it is, it is, it is legal, as it were. Yeah. Do you understand? Uh, so, how do we how do we approach that? Mm. That's on one side. On the other side of that, um, because in one corner of my mind, technically, is is bribe. Yeah. You just want. Anyway. Yeah. But in one corner of my mind, I'm also looking at Elatma in Lagos. Yeah. Uh, they just get you for one foolish offense, whether you committed or you not committed. Yeah. So you can, they waste your time and all that. And 
they will tell you if you for example pay 5k i mean you you can go and go and face the rest of your day and all that and move yeah. on on the other side they can delay you um so you are not able to accomplish what you're meant to accomplish um you'll go and pay which I think is also um, an unreasonable fine, yeah. you know, in the context of also Nigeria, which I think is, um, is not commensurate to in a situation where there is real offense. I think the part, I mean, look at people that they had to crush their cars or they had to, you know, sell it off to other people because of some traffic um, infraction. So I think it's not commensurate. Such people would rather just pay 5K, 10K to the last wagon and move on and all of that. So in one, in one sense, that's also bright. So how do we, yeah, how do we look at those things? That Amen. Let me start by saying that, you know, when scripture says that when the righteous um, rules a nation, the people prosper. It's a really, it's a very, you know, the scripture knows what it's saying, that when the wicked are in power, the people will mourn, you know. What you're seeing is evil has become a culture. And now, good people who have a conscience must now find a way to navigate through those evil cultures without wounding their conscience before God. That was what they tried to do with Daniel when he was in Babylon. You know, they knew personally he was a regimented person. There was the reign of God, the rule of God in his heart, and there was a fear of God in him. So they went by the way of the law to try to ambush. It looked like a very simple law, but it was targeted, you know, at him. You know, and that is why I'm going to answer the question, but I quickly want to lay this foundation. That is why every one of us as Christians, we must have a very strong burden for this country. That we must return to a country of law and order. And that lawlessness, you know, must be overthrown in this country. And we must make a deliberate effort to not partake of the lawlessness. See, the reason why a lot of people don't want Nigeria to change is because there are some people today, if you take them away from Nigeria and take them to a country where things are working properly, they will be, they'll probably be on the street, impoverished, poor. The only reason why they have reason, and my, the word, I mean the reason, is, the only reason why they have money is because they are corrupt. And that's why you see so many corrupt toll gates in any Nigerian system. So many, because that's the way they enrich themselves. Civil, from civil service to agency to everywhere. You see, and there is no... And one thing you will notice is that with the culture of corruption, the more corrupt that culture is, the more dead those people were in empathy. You can draw a straight line between a corrupt people and people that lacks empathy. As I was shocked. We went to loot. My wife went to loot. People were looting you with your person in intensive care unit due for operation. They were still, you know, extorting you, duping you on top of 
while you are praying and hoping your patient doesn't die. Complete lack of empathy. Beastly nation. So God really has to help us. You know, but to your first question, I think it's straightforward. If they say this is the allocation for accommodation, you're coming and they give it to you. And it's yours. You can do whatever you want with it. That's fine. That's not wrong. Something wrong. The reason why our own is wrong is because company policy says you must present your receipt. Now, what some of those, what those guys did was that they go to bribe the front desk in those hotels and they give the wrong receipt that captures the amount that was budgeted for, not the actual amount they paid. So forgery and, and every of those, uh, every of those uh, transport people that he said he hired, he, he forged all those receipts. In fact, he would go there. In fact, when we got to a particular city, the moment we landed at the airport, he just went to a corner where those taxi drivers, our station, were, paid them and got a pile of blank receipts from them. And they were just writing, yeah, writing whatever amount on it. You know, so the one you're talking about is absolutely straightforward, you know. The second one, hmm, it's a little bit complicated. Because if you are not a decision maker in your organization, there is not so much you can do. It's a difference if you, your own organization say, this organization, we want to run the economy of righteousness. And we will not do what we are not convinced in our spirit that it is not right. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Now, that's step No, I'm, I'm still going to... That's step one. Step two also is that there are some toll gates you will get to. And I'm going to give different examples. Where it is no longer a bribe but an extortion. You must differentiate the two. The case of the police or last bar person, one happened to us recently. Because my wife has been putting L in front of the car, you know, so that day where I was to travel and, you know, I was traveling to an African country and I was traveling tomorrow, but I just realized today that I needed um, some papers to, I needed some papers to, otherwise they will not let me. I do not, and the one I have is the old one. I need the new one. So we were rushing towards the place to go and get. So we got this policeman who stopped us and said, um, So there was L in front of the car, on both the front and the back. And then, but I was the one driving. So he first of all stopped us and said, Where is your learner's permit? So we brought down and gave it. We have a valid learner's permit. He said, But is the meetup point that is inside on this land. I say, yes, that, that's my wife, that. But I'm the one driving her because she doesn't want to drive and we're hurrying to a place. He said, but the law says that when the learner permit is, when, when the, the learner is driving, is when you should have the learner's permit. <laughs> I didn't even go that way. I now said that, but, so he now said that, so now that you are driving and you don't have learner's permit, so I now brought up my I driver's license, violent. he said, no, that I'm still wrong. That I am not supposed to drive with an L in front of my car. I said, uncle, please hold it. You are twisting the law. If the law says to go to point B, you must start from point A, you cannot infer that what the law is trying to also say is that to go to point A, you must start from point B. 
the law is specific to somebody who is learning how to drive. If you are a learner, you must have the learning permit in front and your learning permits at hand and a, an experienced a driver who holds a valid driver license must sit beside you. That is the law for a learner. The law for an experienced driver like me is to have my valid driver's license. And the guy like, you know, and once you meet a Nigerian policeman, you can explain the law like that. Oh, you think you know. Oh, you think you need to come. Oh, and then the guy started shouting. You, you will get to station today. And me, my wife knows me. Me, I can, I can go to that station and even sleep in that, uh, what's it called? That cell. And I will not give you anything. So my wife knows that me and this guy, we are not going to negotiate. But, you know, at that point, we have not done anything wrong. So that is not bribery. We are not giving him money in order to right a wrong. No. The guy is using the lawlessness in the society to call an innocent man, you know, guilty. And I know very well that if we follow you to that police station, they're probably going to say that I carry cocaine. You know, something's going to happen and I'm going to miss... The, um, you know, about the flight and everything, and wanted to do another. So, in that case, I have called him and gave him something. No, that one is not bribery. That one, you ext- it's like putting a gun to your head and say, Give me money. And the same thing also with when you see police people. S- my wife taught me, or once they approach the people, she will tap me with a smile. I'll smile. <laughs> you say, You can see that it's working. Because my face, once I see you, I know what your face is saying, and I'm already frowning. She would tap me and say, oh, yeah, smile now. Smile and say, good afternoon, officer. Call the officer's name. I said, good afternoon, officer. How are you, Mr. Kolawole? Everything is fine. We are fine. In my mind, I'm boiling, but I'm smiling. <laughs> you know. She's taught me how to do that, and it works. It absolutely works. Before, me and the officer, we will argue. Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? We we'll waste time, waste energy, waste everything. There was, you know, there was a day... Another, the same issue, another policeman took us. They go and collected all our particulars and I said, my wife, don't worry, come in, I'll be going. I left, I was leaving the particular and everything for that, I'm going home. I don't have time. I don't have time. I will call somebody else to go and help me collect it later. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't, so my, when the guy now saw that nothing was coming, this one, we didn't even give him one error, so nothing was coming up. That day, I had time, actually. I was not working that day, so I had some little time. So I sat down with them. By the time I looked, I spent almost, I think about for, for, almost for 30 minutes, 45 minutes. I told my wife to enter the car, that let's drive and uh, let's leave all the particulars with one another. The guy now came and said, uh, last time my wife, he said, talk to this husband. He's too stubborn. It's not everything. Cho-cho-cho English. Cho-cho-cho-cho. He's too stubborn. <laughs> but my wife knows how to handle the officer now. He's knocking. You know, once she smiles, and in fact, once she sees that they have a Yorubani, my wife even changed it to... That was how she saved us one day. We found out the guy is an Ikiti person. Ah, The guy just softened immediately. And they have handicapped him now. He cannot but let us go. <laughs> but in all of those cases, there was not a one case where we were in the wrong. There was not one case where our particulars were not complete and everything. So in that case now, it is extortion. And if you give them what they're asking for, you have not done anything wrong. They, they, 
they took it from you by force and you were right am i making sense it's not that you are not trying to bribe somebody to perverse and that's why see christians please let's be sh- make sure that we don't fall into loopholes because they will force you to do the wrong thing amen because it'll be painful too. you too you don't want to follow them to station where you know your papers are not complete and you'll be forced to do the wrong thing because you know that if you get to that station you know if the justice system is even fair what do you get for not in other crimes maybe your papers are not complete they just pay a fine and you don't pay it to a human pocket whether you want to pay it or not that's the just that's a fair justice but nigeria so you must make extra effort and that also applies to some of these issues of pr that corporates people do when you are not the one in charge there are some in fact no the case i want to talk about is there are some cases where you don't want to pay like they should give you a contract and you know the person who did the contract is sitting on the contract because he wants you to give them something and you know he will not give you that they've approved it they've approved it what i do in that situation is to call the person i know this is what you want i will give you something from what i make i can't give you what you want do you understand what i'm saying this is what i'm supposed to make from this i will only be able to give you this that's is i'm not i don't want to give you but i'm not going to inflate contracts to accommodate you and i'm going to tell you straight up there my profit is about something something like this i'm giving you this percentage from my profit some people will agree i i know places where i've been and the person collects a percentage up front and by the time they, they collect that percentage that money itself is not enough to do the work so what are you doing is there's no point so but it is very clear there are some cases where you know that you are being extorted it's not that you are want to give bribe to subvert you are qualified they've even chosen you based on merit but one stupid somebody and sometimes most of them are always low level you know i heard the story of uh, people go to pension pension office i'm sure mommy mommy here would i've not heard her story, but i know if i give her the mic now and she tell her story people are supposed to just carry your file and take you to the next department for processing you must give them something the worst one is when you want to process when you want to process but death certificate it's crazy it's crazy amen but god will help us we must put our feet down and be led by the spirit and do the right thing always oh it's happened to me before in fact, mommy was in the car that day <laughs> we, we entered to turn we turned in a place and uh, we didn't know there was no sign there that you can't do a u-turn but they were already hiding somewhere so as soon as we turned like this just jumped into the car and all that and grandma even begged them we didn't know blah 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 they say ah no problem ah no problem at all so let's just go to the which you are a first-time offender i say yes we're a first-time offender we just want to check our record whether you are really a first-time offender and all that okay so and i believe them <laughs> i didn't know that 
you know, I believe them. So they drove us to the local government. As soon as we entered the local government, like, they just clammed our tires. And I was shocked. My mother-in-law was so shocked. She, in fact, that day I didn't say anything. That's the day I saw that my mother-in-law is a fearless woman. She just asked me, she was like, what's all this nonsense? In, and of course, they said we should pay, I think maybe 35000 or one ridiculous amount. My mother, my mother, the mommy was there. Don't give them the money. We are going to pay it, but we'll pay it to the bank. There's not a dribbling us. Give us account number to go and pay this thing. Started dribbling. Uh, actually, hey, you are going to a very far bank. Which bank? They just started dribbling, dribbling. But you know what? We insisted that we're going to rather pay that money into the bank. And I stayed there, and my wife and mother-in-law went to the bank around the, what's the place again? I think it was Agnes or something. It was a little bit far. And then we went and paid the money and all that. And you could see them, their countenance, all of their countenance fell. By the time, it, it, it felt like we were the one that collected money and that they were the one that lost money. That was the way it felt. You could see, they cannot, they couldn't, the, the hatred was, they were burning their mind, their heart, but were the confident ones. You know, so in such case, it, I know it can be very painful. It can be very painful, but I would say that we should still do the right thing. But the most, the, the, the wisdom is not to fall, that's why we should not fall into temptation. That's why a wise man should see evil afar and do what? And escape it. Very, very important. If I, ha, if I ask her with exoteric final question. Oh yeah, very quickly, please. How God sees us, yeah. right? And the acts we do. Mm. So um, one day, um, Pastor Gusayo was preaching and he said something like, um, you, can't, you don't need to impress God or something like that, right? And then um, I also understand that, I mean, outside of Christ, you know, all things you're doing, you know, it's not what it is like, futirag. But then there's this scripture where God was saying something about, I think his name is Cornelius, and then he said the sacrifices and everything he did has come up as a memorial. That guy was not a Christian. Yeah. And um, God had his prayer. Yeah. So I'm saying, is it possible that there is a way you can do enough and then God will now, you know, somehow hear your prayer? Because um, that's very important to know whether can we please God by works or not. Hmm. One. Um, two is um, on, you know, is the I know the devil is not um, omniscient, right? I think that's the word. He doesn't know everything because scripture said, had he known, he wouldn't have crucified. Yeah. But um, I want to know, sometimes every small thing, you know, you say the devil is tricky, he uses wows, and then there are about 7 billion people on earth, right? So is he omnipotent? How, how does he now work on every human, giving them ideas? What powers does he really have? <laughs> Do you understand? Is he omnipotence or not. So what's the limit of the devil's power really? Or are we just ascribing things to him that are not there? Because you know that or sometimes too, humans can have mental issues and then yeah. they say the voice told me, meanwhile you're schizophrenic or something. Yeah. So how do we draw the line between what the devil did and what he did not do? Okay, and then finally, um, so last week uh, when you were preaching, you said on becoming God's habitation. Yeah. So you said... Um, most times um, we are in problem or in trouble because we are weak. So we should go back to sleep and let God work. So how, 
how does that you know differ from being lethargic or um you know um so there is this you know much of taking charge of your life you know being mm. charged so mm. how do you go back to sleep mm. wait for god yeah meanwhile you know your life is still wasting away so how do you um marry boats okay so that's my question good question another question too okay let's see whether we can quickly round this up in 10 minutes hallelujah so your first question is about remind me cornelius okay very good very very good question very good question uh, you're right you see but the differentiation is faith is a foundation and james explained it so some people say you know and i think james was responding to two set of people who got the revelation and then you know sometimes when people are not wise with revelation they form camps Paul also addressed that. He said some people say, I am of Paul. Other groups say, I'm of Apollos. You know, and they don't realize that all these different gifts and all these different revelations complement. So he said, Paul plants, Apollo waters. is actually God who does what? Who gives the increase. So I think that was what James was responding when he said, some people say they have faith. And some other people say they have works. And to them, it's a very differing situation. And he says, show me your faith without works and i will show you my faith by my works and he went on to explain that you know that when god told abraham to offer isaac he did not sit at home and fold his hands and say i have faith he actually went on to do it his works was propelled by faith you know and Cornelius, that you also talked about it it was not yet the administration of faith which is by grace but it was by faith in god which inspired worship do you understand so it is still faith because there was a reason why cornelius was doing all that because there is a basic faith in his heart hebrews eleven six, without faith is impossible to believe he that must was what is faith doing that there is a belief that God is. So if you believe God is, that's an act of faith. And then he's a rewarder of those who do what? Who did. That was what Colinius was doing. Even though he had not heard the gospel. So it was actually an act of faith. And that's why all those things, the more he was doing it out of conviction, the more he was adding up. So, and that's why the angels they said, your arms has come before so God has answered your prayers because your arms has come before God and is now come to show you the word, the way of salvation. I am sure Cornelius didn't stop those acts of worship after he gave birth, I mean, after he received Christ and received the Holy Ghost. In fact, if there's anything, those acts of worship will intensify. So there's really no difference in them. What the scripture warned us against is acts or works you know let's use the term works that is not from a heart of faith because faith is off and primarily of the heart Bible says, with the heart man does what man believes so he's saying that if for example there is no if there is doubt in the heart for example the first work you know to 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 get faith of the heart is actually works too because you're Faith comes by hearing and hearing. That 
process itself is what? Is you doing something. Last works in itself. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So that process of even building faith is actually a work in itself. But it is a work that is born out of a certain expectation. It's like someone that wants to receive strength and you're not drinking glucose. What is prompting you to pick the glucose bottle to drink is because there is an expectation. And that in itself is the primary faith that we now give birth to. Rabbi said that um, in, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from what? To what? To faith. So it's a journey. Have I answered that? Clear? If it's not clear, see me after. The, but it's a very straightforward stuff. Amen. The next question. Is devil omnipotent? Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, no, it's not. Okay, let me use a very simple principle to answer that question. The spiritual realm is not like the physical realm. That's right. You are looking at seven billion people, the whole expanse of the world, how big it is. Is your eye view? If you are in space, for example, this world that is so big, we look like a speck. So, really, the concept of time and space in the realm of the spirit is they are very negligible matter, and I mean matter. Scientific, scientifically, they are very negligible. That's why inside one pig, there were legion. Inside one man, there were legion of demons. And you know what a legion is? It's a thousands inside one man. And when Jesus cast them out, all of them went to a head of pigs and the whole head drowned. drowned. So it, the, the spirit realm, it doesn't, it doesn't look like the physical realm. And you are right that it's not everything that is. Our culture really magnifies Satan, the power of Satan, because any negative thing, we attribute it to Satan. So you are right in the sense that we give, and that's why this Christianity that gives more attention to Satan than it gives to God is from the pit of hell. Because what you give attention to more is what we have influence over you, whether positively or negatively. Hallelujah. And that's why scripture says that what should you do? We say resist the devil and if we do what? We flee from you. The devil is very, very inconsequential as far as the plan and purpose of God is concerned. But it's the room that we give to him, you know, that brings about some of his activities. So, issue of mental health, for example, yes, you can't be smoking weed and Igbo and you will not run mad eventually. That's not Satan. Amen. Well, yeah, in a sense, yeah, but you are sowing what you reap. You get what I'm saying? You're sowing. It's a different case when mental um, something is caused by a demon. That's a completely different. And discernment will help us know when is which is which. Amen. The third and final one, quickly. How do we rest like Adam while not being lethargic? So. This is the brief answer. You can see me for the long one. When I, when I left school, I was, I was a very, very ambitious person, very driven. I had, I had plans for the next 20 years, and I was, I was ardently pursuing it. Then God said, don't go that route. In fact, don't work at all. In fact, don't apply for jobs, because I won't even stop you from getting work, you know. And I stayed five years without working. When I came back to that 
<laughs> well, I was working in, yeah, I was working a different kind of work. I, was, I wasn't doing um, regular, I was working in the ministry. I wasn't working um, the work I wanted to work, the map I had. You know, God said, don't go that way. In fact, I, the reason why I, I, I don't want to say I was working, because the instruction he gave me was to seek him. I was one that begged that he should allow me to even do something so that people not think I'm mad. God, I can't wake up in the morning and say, I'm seeking the kingdom. You understand? So, 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 but five years after, that face went on for five years. By the time I came back after five years to that face, I came back to that face, I realized that I wasn't less resilient. I wasn't less visionary. I wasn't less hardworking. You heard my husband. Something didn't work on to the next. Straight. My efficacy was still the same. My vision, my drive, the things I loved, the sector I wanted to walk in. And I walked there by the grace of God to the top of the ladder in a very short while. I am still that driven. What's the difference? The difference, what happened was that God, and that's not everybody's route. I'm just saying this to say that God grew me over a period of time where it's not the, it's not the way that God created me and my dreams that left. It was pride of life that left. It was the sense of identity I had in those things that left. It was the rat race. My mates are doing it. And I'm, you are feeling depressed. You are chasing things because all your mates that you finish school together, they now have it. Those things left me. Those, that pressure was what left. So the resting, you discovered that Adam in the garden was not fooling around. He woke up every day and tended that garden. He had work. But he didn't have, he had, he had dreams that God given. He had goals, God-given. He had sense. He named all the animals. He was doing things, but he didn't have something from the tree of knowledge of good and evil to add to it. What comes from the tree of knowledge of good and evil is that inordinate ambition. Is the love of this world. Is the pride of life. Is that rat race. If everybody is doing it, then that's my next level. No. By the time God brought me out of that thing, I was in a place where my only goal my number one goal, I don't have goals. Like people will go on social media and say goals and I don't have, my goals is Jesus. I want to become like Jesus. While I'm doing that, I'm not useless. I have a plan for the year. It's not like I don't sit down, I don't craft plans, I don't do those things, but I don't live in my successes. I don't live in my wealth. I don't, I don't, I don't boast on social media. You know how people go on social media and any small success they want to post it. You lose the craving to boast, to live in those things, to get your sense of identity from it. If it's there, praise the Lord. If it's not there, praise the Lord seven more times. Unto what God is doing. And that's the most important thing. Hallelujah. Let me just add two thoughts to that. <clears throat> Number one is that we must be able to differentiate between work and job. You see, before the industrial age came on board, where there was the industrial age that gave birth to 9 to 5, you know, because industries started coming up, and then, you know, people started building factories and all those things, and then production system and all those things, and then services system came on board. And when before all those things, the concept of work was completely different. The concept of a responsible man, responsible man, all those concepts were different completely. You know, in the, in, the, in the Stone Age, for example, is farm. You know, and maybe you go very early. Some people farm, if you stay in a, in a very um, is it arid area, they call it, where the sun is up, 
you go very early before the sun is up and do a lot of the farming so that when the sun is up, you are not working. You know, so that concept is what God does not want us to do is to run by the systems of the world. Do you get my point? And not running by the system of the world is not that you will not be an NFA. You will not have aspirations or purpose or something like that. It just means that you are not driven by the things of the earth. You know, because our dominion mandate also is that we must, whenever we find ourselves, we must establish righteousness. You know, but that power comes in the spirit. There is a church today that, and I'm, when I mean the church, I mean there's, there's a side of the church that thinks that the way you engage the system is to go, in, go into the system and rise to the system and then when you have power, it means, no, all your, all your financial power without righteousness and trust in your heart is zero. That's why you have so many Christians in government today who are doing as badly as people don't know God, that he has corrupt us. So what is important to God is that in your journey, you must develop that capacity. That is what's going to make your life different. Whether you find yourself in the king's palace or your own calling is to be in the wilderness like John the Baptist, one thing must be common to both of you. Because even John the Baptist himself faced his own challenges, even though he was not in corporate Israel. Am I making sense? The God wants to take you through a path where you build capacity. So waiting is when he's asking you to give attention to that building or he wants to wait something. So waiting is not that you are sitting down not doing anything. There was a time when God told me to, you know, I've said during my, after my service, God said service wasn't over for you. Go ahead and stay, you know, and I stayed, you know, and my, see, this was my regimen. I wake up and by 8 a.m., 8 a.m. or 8.30, I can't exactly remember, I'm at my, I have one big sitting room that there was only a table and a chair there and I'll be by that desk by either 8 or 8.30 and for six hours every day I was studying. I had, you know, different translations of Bible, have uh, strong concordance, vines, those big, big, those, it was the big, big books there. I carried everything to my service here. If you see my shaka then, it was books and concordance and everything I filled inside. And those were, if you come to my house those times, you'll see me in that seat, I'm studying. And after I'm studying, I'm spending hours praying and praying. And then when I've done all that, I'll go out and find something to do. I could repair systems because I was self taught I knew how to repair systems. And I was doing that. I was making small, small money. Somebody would call me. Oh, come and help me fix this. I could do designs. I would do designs and all that. So I wasn't lazy. My mates were already hustling. In, in fact, during those times, I missed two major bank interviews. that was called for interview in Lagos. But I was in Adama. There was no way I could come to Lagos. But I was focused and was doing something. Am I making sense? And when that season was over, after about between six or eight months, I can't exactly remember, when it was about, okay, rise up now, you, have, you are done. Go to Lagos. So, waiting is actually a time of intense work, but it's not the type of work that, you know, you would expect. And most of the time, it is because God wants to key you into his own timing, not the world's timing. Hallelujah. Are we blessed today?